Welcome, everyone. It's a very, very special episode of Play the Kids. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, and we're part of the Beautiful Game Network. I am Kevin McCamish, and you can always find me on Stumptown Footy and the USL Show. With me, uh, we're not alone, though. Always Josh Duter, whose Hello. Newcastle United side is safe for in the Premier League for another season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then also we have very special guests, uh, Nick Davison. He's author of Pirates, Punks, and Politics. Um, our good friend Todd Diskin refers to it as Pirates and Shit. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, David? Or Nick? Very well, thank you. All right. Um, we also have Sean and Samantha, hosts of Fell in Love with a Girl podcast. Uh, tell us where you're calling from. Well, of course, we're calling from the high-tech studio, high above the secret underground bunker, deep underneath the permafrost layer, because that's what we do. <laughs> that's that's literally all I wanted. We could go home now. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> well, that was a quick episode. <laughs> Best one yet, actually. <laughs> the, that that aforementioned bunker is is located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada which is in the middle of, of the Canadian prairies for reasons oh, and still unexplained. And for the record, I did it right the first time. Yeah. Unlike Sean, who has to take like <laughs> 10 takes to do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, this is our whole okay. podcast is like one take. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll edit stuff out if we need to, but it's yeah. going to sound great no matter what. So don't worry too much. Um, this is our very special FC St. Pauli uh, special episode where, um, if you want to uh, some information for how to get tickets in the away section, like I've said in episodes before, go back to episode four. Josh has all the information on that episode. The FC St. Pauli versus T2 match is coming up very soon. Uh, for all of those, those of us recording right now, it'll be in 11 days on May 22nd. Um, but for those of you listening, I don't know when I'm going to release this episode, but it'll be less than 11 days, obviously. It's late Friday night, so it's not going to be going up on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick before we get into the special, um, just one match that I want to very briefly talk about. Um, T2 uh, got a hard-earned draw, nil-nil in St. Louis. Um, the only things worth mentioning, David Guzman, Vitas, and Toiloma all played recovery minutes in that game. Uh, Guzman and Vitas playing 45, and Toiloma playing the full 90. Um, also, T2's shutout versus St. Louis was their fifth shutout in only nine total games, um, so that's pretty impressive. They are tied for the most shutouts in the entire league right now, uh, tied with Orange County and Pittsburgh with five. So very impressive from T2. It's a very solid four-win, three-loss, two-draw start so far. Um, and then tomorrow, this will probably again be in the past, so it will have already happened, but T2 travel to Tacoma playing S2. And uh, hopefully T2 should feel confident getting a result. We'll see how that goes. Um, but that's all it for T2. The rest of this episode, we are pretty much just going to talk FC St. Pauli, uh, supporter culture, and all things, basically, club and culture. So uh, I got nothing to really start with. Um, although I do have one question that actually has been asked to me twice today when I mentioned this um, to Sean and Samantha. Where does your podcast name Fell in Love with a Girl come from? Okay, so um, I had started watching St. Pauli um, a few... Uh, uh, there was a bit of a lead time 
before I decided to uh, ambush Samantha with uh, forcing a, a podcast on her. So the night before I, I ambushed her with said iPad and kind of dropped it in front of her with GarageBand, which incidentally is like the worst app to possibly try and record a podcast with. Before that, the night before we had watched This May Get Loud, uh, the documentary with um, The Edge and Jack White and that dude, <laughs> Jimmy Page. <laughs> Jimmy Page, thank you. And uh, no, that one guy. <laughs> and and they played or uh, uh, Jack White played "Fell in Love with a Girl," uh, which is probably their most punk track. Uh, but it was it was kind of a culmination of a bit of a personal journey, um, starting this podcast, falling in love with a new club, and and doing it with the love of my life, Samantha. So uh, yeah, it, it all kind of it all kind of stuck, and it was kind of nice that it wasn't what you'd expect from a, a football podcast name. It was it was something a little different, and and it just kind of stuck. So it, it has led to some very long uh, Twitter handles and email addresses. I was about to say, it's the worst email address ever. It's, you think you would have had the foresight to shorten that sucker, but no. Our, our show email address, you have to stop in the middle, take a little bit of a nap and a breather, and then finish off typing the rest of the, uh, the email address. We, so uh, in hindsight, we probably would have gone with something different, but it's, it's just stuck now. We watch uh, St. Paulo Tefau on a PlayStation for whatever reason because we can see it on the big screen and that sucker does not remember the full address and we mm. have to type that thing every okay. single week <laughs> and i swear at it every single week that's funny <laughs> yeah. well that's, an, that's an awesome it's, it's good to have a name with some meaning and stuff i think uh our play the kids um just kind of came up uh, on a napkin in a bar so <laughs> there's not much behind that and hey, we're gonna well, be talking about didn't, didn't the Timbers Army scarf start that way? So, I mean, yes. good things that's, come from bar napkins. That's, that's true. true. That's very true. <laughs> so uh, so let's open it up. Let's talk clubs, culture, and uh, and have a fantastic discussion about uh, FC St. Pauli and, and uh, the Portland Timbers. Yeah, I, th I think uh, an important thing to get to the bottom of is um, where where this started. Um, for, for me, it was Nick Davidson's book. Um, I, I had heard of this team, St. Pauli, but I didn't know much about it. And you could look high and you could look low, but there's not much in the English language that covers the team. So, you know, I went and I found this book. And uh, if Nick would be so kind as to maybe uh, tell his his origin story of how he fell out of love with football, but but found that love again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a story that's common to, to probably most of us. Uh, international fans who've, who've kind of found our way to the Millenthal. Um Yeah, I was a Watford fan, so um, uh, thank you Newcastle United for ensuring our safety last weekend as well. <laughs> <laughs> Although only just. Um, and yeah, I grew up in the 80s watching football, uh, going with my dad, as was often the case uh, back then, and, and did it for around about 20 years. And then obviously the, the advent of the Premier League, uh, Watford fell out of the Premier League, 
got back into it, struggled, got relegated again, and the amount of money in football, and and, and just losing all of that, you know, that passion, all seats of stadiums, um, you know, always really important in this context to uh, mention uh, the Hillsborough disaster as well, which, you know, um, kind of really shaped me politically, I guess. That was my political awakening. In the United Kingdom, I guess we had the miners' strike in 1984, which politicised a, a lot of people in the generation slightly below me. Uh, but for me, it was Hillsborough and seeing the both the police and the government and the media's response to what was a tragedy um, uh, that wasn't caused by the fans. And it's taken a long time to, to, to prove that. So that was my political awakening. And then I kind of went into a little bit of a lull with football, uh, tried a few other things, um, and uh, found in 442 magazine uh, an article about San Pauli and, and thought, this looks great. Took me a while to get there. Um, and during that journey of getting there, you know, you read around and, and, and you realise that what's been written is mainly just a cliche and it never goes, never scratched. You know, we only ever scratch the surface and we say the same things about the reefer barn and how the terraces are full of punks and pirates and prostitutes, which is the original title for the book um, before Todd changed it. <laughs> um, and 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 that at that point, um, I went over there and I, I made the connection, and and I realised that you know here we have something that, yes, it's football which I've always loved, but also there's the politics there, which you know as I've grown older and had that kind of political awakening, became as important to me as the football, and and there was somewhere that did both, and and you know and, and I wanted to tell that story essentially, with a bit more detail, with a bit of historical context. Um, so that other people could pick it up and, you know, perhaps go on the same journey as well. Um, we, you know, at the Millentor, we're quite often inflicted with um, stag parties. Um, I don't know what, whether that translates over into, into American, um, where groups of lads go over to Hamburg and they try and go in and, and watch games. And, and, you know, a lot of them travel and never go again. Um, and, and that's a bit of, a, bit of an annoyance for us. Mm. But also, you know, if, if one person or a couple of people um, you know, it changes them enough to, to want to come back and keep coming back, then, you know, then that's fantastic. And, 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 and that's what I was aiming for, really, to just broaden it out for people to have a, a better understanding. Nick, you, you mentioned in your book, um, at a certain point, you took your father with you. Yeah, um, yes. Th- was his experience before before going to the Millentor to experience St. Pauli, did he, had he also sort of had football sort of left his heart in, in uh, at, at home? And did he find that love again as well? Or was, you know. In, in a different way. So, yeah, I mean, he's obviously got, a, got, got older and, and has and, and stopped going regularly. Um, so perhaps it wasn't a case of him falling in love with some power. But what, what, what's beautiful for me for that story was, um, obviously, he took me back in 1982 for my first game. And it was almost like I was able to, to kind of complete the circle uh, you know, he didn't have as great a, a realisation of what he was letting himself in for beforehand. But he loved, too, that bit of, you know, when we first went out onto the Gegenrader and everybody was lovely to us and we were standing on a terrace and there was trays of beer being passed around our heads. And, you know, we were a bit of a curiosity because we were the English guys that were there. Um, and he just loved the atmosphere. And for him, I guess it it rekindled that thing of why we first started going in the first place. So although he hasn't been back since... You know, he, you know, we, we still talk about me going over. Um, but for him, it was that kind of moment of 
you know, this is what it was like. This is this is kind of what we lost, I guess, in the UK, and 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 it's still there somewhere. And and it's very much, even though the stadium has been rebuilt completely since, that atmosphere is still there. Mm. So um, so so yeah, a different journey, but but lovely to take him for my first visit. It's a it's an amazing atmosphere. Often when I watch Saint when I watch Saint Pauli, it's uh it's on an app that I have in the states. Um, we don't have any voiceover. We have no commentary. We have no uh, um, audio other than the crowd. And um, so if I watch St. Pauli away, um, the crowds are dull, um, uninspired sometimes, unless they're maybe at Union Berlin or you know some of the other similar um, fan bases, but the home environment without any audio other than listening to the crowd is, is always amazing. Um, and it's super intense and super involved. And it's they're, It's almost like they're partying before the match and they're partying during the match. And it doesn't matter what the result is because the party continues after the match. Uh, and you just came home from from the last match. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Against uh, Bielefeld on Sunday. And how was the party? Well, it was pretty good. I, I, I couldn't go as far to say as we were partying beforehand because we were all too nervous because essentially the US tour was hanging on it uh, and uh, on the result. And more importantly, I guess, the uh, survival in Bundesliga 2 was hanging on the result. So before and during, it was pretty tense, actually. Uh, but yes, afterwards, the, um, the, the sense of relief uh, when the other results filtered through to the players on the pitch and people in the, in the stands. And then just for, for the hours afterwards uh, at the wine bar and in the Jolly Roger, yeah, there, that was some party and some hangover. So. Sean <laughs> um, and Samantha, um, how did you how did you guys come to St. Pauli? What was what was your club before St. Pauli? And because I think this is a similar story. Unless you're from Hamburg, we all sort of have our pre-St. Pauli club, and then we have our our revelation. Oh, there's there's life there's life other than X club. What Sean? What was yours? And then Samantha, what was yours? Um, first of all, like to, to address, um, Nick and, and, uh, Pirates, Punks and Politics as self-deprecating as he is, I think Nick should take a lot of credit because he is really kind of our, our godfather, uh, in a lot of ways in, in terms of being that spiritual guide, um, and, and Pirates, Punks and Politics is a huge seminal, piece of I think every English language supporter uh, coming to St. Pauli uh, but I know uh, Nick loves his his English self-deprecation so he'll probably disagree <laughs> but uh, but I'll, I'll leave that there for now okay um, I was a Liverpool supporter I um, I, I I have a very definitive memory of speaking to my my estranged father we we haven't spoken in in quite some years but as a kid he told me he was from where the Beatles were from and clearly he didn't realize I knew more about the Beatles than he thought I did uh, so I assumed he always meant Liverpool in fact he he grew up in a small town outside of London uh, I think uh, maybe in 
Oxfordshire. I could be wrong. Uh, and and he was a Spurs supporter as a kid. But but it turns out I I turned on the television one day in Canada. There was a, basically an extended highlights show in the very very early years of the English Premier League, and they would run three I want to say uh, extended highlights of matches in the Prem. And I turned it on, and it was the game where Robbie Fowler scored the fastest hat trick in top flight uh, English history, and I I knew that this was this was meant to be. So I started watching uh, Liverpool just at the very very beginning of the the Spice Boys era, and and they completely captured my imagination. They were an incredible side, and. And, and really kind of underperformed. But as they got older and as they moved on, I, I wasn't as in love with the club as, as I thought I was. And I was kind of set adrift from there. And ironically enough, I was given one of the, the old sub, subside sport catalogs back when they still printed uh, a paper catalog by a friend of mine from college who was a, a common thread through Samantha's and my past. And, and they had half a page dedicated to this club that I'd never heard of in the German second division called St. Pauli. And they had two crests. There was a Tottenkopf uh, with uh, bold white lettering underneath. And then there was the uh, the more traditional uh, club crest, and I thought this is this is weird. I don't know who these are, who these who this club is, but I'm intrigued and I want to know more. And so they, I, I kind of became the stereotype of the supporter whose whose um, second favorite club was Saint Pauli. And and finally, when my last favorite player from from the era of Liverpool football that I loved retired, which was not Steven Gerrard. It was, it was Jamie Carragher. Once, once he pulled the pin, I was, I was kind of done. And I started watching St. Pauli. Don't let him fool you. It's ple- completely because they didn't win any trophies. I'm sorry. Oh what, was it? what was you it? Istanbul so- 2000 and I don't know. I don't covering know. silverware addict. Oh my God. Silverware polish no, 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 no. It's because I didn't go through withdrawals of the silverware that oh uh, I couldn't. They're, they're... <laughs> we have guests. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So we we have a major EPL rivalry between us. Um, had, had past tense. Uh, see, but we still fight about yeah, it. Clearly. We still fight about it. Um, I, same thing. Like in Canada, there was Soccer Saturday. I watched. I'm not going to lie. I may have had a dalliance with Liverpool, but she was experimenting. But Manchester United <laughs> caught my heart in the kind of that 19. 91 92 before david beckham i'll put that for the record it was pre-david beckham thank you but post ryan giggs oh but ryan giggs was so good come on and lee sharp i love lee sharp um so i'm a dirty manchester united fan i can't help myself (laughs) i can't i can't and i and for me what really broke me was i was fine after sir alex ferguson what broke me was 
things like Jose Mourinho, which I have a fundamental problem with him as the manager of Manchester United. I have a problem with the money in football. I have a problem with the the love of the game being sucked out by all the the merchandising. And Manchester United is really good at their merchandising. They're one of the most profitable clubs when it comes to selling shirts. And it kind of makes me a little bit nauseous. I've always been left wing. My dad accuses me of going to one of the most right-wing universities in Canada and still coming out as a commie pinko. That's what he calls me as a, <laughs> as a nickname. Um, I'm very much left-wing, and I think that's that's how Sean got me into this gateway drug of St. Pauli because he's like, oh, here's a skull and crossbones. You like skull and crossbones? Oh, look, they're all about inclusion. Oh, look, they're all about left-wing. And I was hooked. <laughs> It's like a bad drug because to find something that actually marries a passion of football, which I love the game, uh, and to marry that with my love of left-wing politics and being uh, anti-business and all about being inclusive regardless of gender or your sexual orientation or anything like that, race, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. That was such a perfect pairing for me and it just sucked me in. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, me as uh, me as well. For uh, for me, uh, a Newcastle supporter, I think my interest in Newcastle grew slowly, and I was never so passionate about it that that passion has been broken. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, you know, I had an uncle that brought back a T-shirt to me when I was a little boy, but where I grew up, we didn't get to watch Newcastle United on television, so it was sort of like. It wasn't until I was in high school playing soccer that I said, oh, yeah, and then I have this shirt. I guess I'm a Newcastle supporter because I didn't know any other teams. We, we had in the Bay Area, we had baseball and football and basketball. And we had all the American sports. So, you know, and then British football wasn't on television or insofar as I could find. And for me to get the Newcastle scores, I had to look in the San Francisco Chronicle and try to find the scores on the very back page of the sports section once a week. So I, I didn't know what the scores, the results were until, you know, a week after the last one had happened. Um, and it wasn't until, I mean, I had played soccer my whole life and I moved to Portland and I fell in love with the Timbers. Um, and so when in a roundabout way, I, I um, was introduced to the idea of St. Pauli already being a liberal, you know, and already living in a progressive town and already supporting a very left-leaning, you know, soccer club with a very left-leaning soccer base. It almost just seemed like a natural addition to my, to my kind of pantheon of clubs that I follow. So for me, like, oh yeah, and, and St. Pauli. I and I and I adore St. Pauli, um, and it's just this, just this perfect addition to how I, I already am. Um, but the problem with St. Pauli when I was first introduced to it was more. Where's more? You know, you as you can look up the Copa ninety video, you can look up on YouTube, and you get the same thing over and over and over. And it's and I needed something, and um, I found, I found actually your podcast, and I was. I, I had looked for a podcast, didn't find anything. And then all of a sudden there's this fill a wag podcast. Um, and I, and I hadn't subscribed to it. So I had to look it up every time. And it was really hard to find because I had to type in the whole name, try to remember what it was. 
With no spaces. <laughs> with no, with space. no spaces. So I <laughs> fucked it up every time. Um, but eventually I decided to subscribe to it, listened, and someone said, you know, if you're into St. Paul, you should read this book as well. Um, so I did, and I read Nick's book, and and I kind of feel like that's we're gonna come back to this book here, but the idea is how did we all come to the club? And then what role did this book play for us in sort of filling in um, the blanks, the history, the culture, the reason that that leftist culture exists? You know, there's parts of that you're just not going to get from those articles. Sure, the location of the club, but like what were some of the, you know, seminal events that changed this club from what Nick says is, um, you know, one of the chapters is titled, you know, just another, just another football club. So, you know, for the first 60 years of their existence, they're just another football club. And then, but Nick, what inspired you to write this book? And then can you tell us a little bit about what happened that changed the culture of St. Pauli from just another club to the cult football club that they are, they now exist as? He's falling back to sleep. <laughs> We've put Nick to sleep. Uh, I mean, the trans- I'm talking about it. Uh, I'm still here. Can you hear me? So the, so the transformation of the club occurred in, in the 1980s. And it's a really complex, you know, as with everything and all of these things, it's, it's hard to, it, it, you know, can, can become a bit reductive and, you, and, and you, you look for those main causes. But there was a whole... Um, mixture of things that caused caused it to change from a club into in, into the cult following that it's got, um, and principally it's it you know it's to do with the district, the district of St Pauli and the club of St Pauli connected. Um, even today, you wander around the district and there are St Pauli flags hanging. You know, it feels like every other apartment and there are banners hats. Um, you know, these uh, and the district uh, education buys um, was always somewhere that. Uh, w- w- was kind of um, uh, like cheaper uh, accommodation, uh, kind of for, for a working class accommodation, I guess. And then in the 1980s, obviously, the kind of global recession happened. Uh, the docks became mechanised. So um, the big container ships that needed less people. Uh, so the population kind of went into decline. And then very quickly, as often happens in these cases, uh, kind of people, uh, young people, students, uh, squatters kind of moved into those areas um, and uh, kind of uh, the, the population kind of uh, uh, grew again. And obviously um, there were there was the, the squatted flats on the Hafenstrasse, the Harbour Street uh, that were very political. And um, what happened uh, was that, that's completely unusual is that these people started going to uh, the Millentor Stadium. Now, now it's literally half a mile walk from 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 the dockyards. You know, it's, around, it's in the middle of the district. Um, but the really unusual thing is a group of you know left leaning anarchist punks uh, started to assemble on the Gengrada Terrace uh, and grew and grew and grew. Um, and the club's attendances prior to that had been up and down. You know, when they played big teams, they might get as many as 14,000, 15,000. But most of the time, there were probably two or 3,000 people there. Uh, so there was room for the support base to grow. That support base, you know, uh, continued to grow. The word continued to spread. And before you knew it, you know, in the space of about five years, you did have average attendances of, you know, around about 15,000 people uh, going up from there. And these were highly political young 
people uh, very much into politics. Um, and then one final important thing to remember is, uh, or to consider is, kind of towards the end of the 80s, around, I can't remember now, 1989, something like that, um, the club had ambitious plans to turn the Millens Four into a, a, a sports dome. Uh, you know, a, a all-seater roofed venue that was going to hold concerts, was going to do all sorts of things. And actually what that brought together again was the people in the district and the fans of the club uh, who were opposed to this. They thought it would change the neighbourhood completely. There were marches through uh, through the streets that brought non-football people together with football people. And eventually that proposal was, uh, was defeated. Um, and that, again, further kind of solidified that relationship between people in the district who maybe weren't into football uh, but were into politics and people in, in the district who, who, who loved both. Uh, and so you've got this really unusual mixture um, of politically motivated people and people who are into the football. Um, so it kind of created, and you know, we've looked around the world and there are other examples. Um, you know, maybe port cities has something to do with it. You look at clubs like Livorno in Italy, which has got a very left-wing fan base. Uh, you know, uh, Marseille, also, um, Cadiz in Spain again, I guess. And, you know, even you guys um, up in Portland, it's, you know, it's a, it's a culture where, you know, we're used to welcoming people um, and, it, and it leads to that, that kind of political angle. Uh, so that's kind of the backstory. And, and, and I guess I'm kind of answering the second part in the first part, which is, you know, I wanted to tell this story a little bit. It was really important to, to get beyond the cliche, get beyond the stereotype and try and set it in some kind of historical context. And, you know, very lucky to be, Sean, I'm going to do the self-depreciating bit here, Sean. But, you know, I, I got lucky because I was the first person to do that in English. There are lots of great books in German, but nobody had done it in English. And, and you know, and, and German, as we know, is a difficult enough language to, to get your head around, even to say the names of the players. So to have something available uh, and to draw on the expertise of the books that were already written in English and, and the people who wrote those books, you know, I was in a privileged position of being, a, being the first person to do that. So, so that's kind of how it came about and a little bit of background to, to, to the kind of political, the alternative, the cult status, if you like. So Nick, what, what, led, you to, um, what led you to Portland? So there's, I mean, there's a similarity in, in club culture but how did you how did you end up in Portland? Not not that you're there I, now, but like what no. is it? <laughs> so so you you know you guys have talked about watching uh, games uh, on the internet and um, kind of trying to get your some Pauli fix that way. Um, you know, very similar. I, I guess I kind of I don't watch much English football. I don't watch much Premier League football. Uh, but I, I I kind of got an interest in 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 supporter culture and. Again, you know, with the, with the growth of the MLS, uh, it's possible to watch games on the internet. And I, I can't remember how I first became aware of Portland, but obviously that, that the, the underlying fan culture was really important there. And, you know, it's nice to watch. And like you say, uh, almost watch the crowd as much as, as, as you watch what's going on on the pitch. And, you know, if you're a St. Pauli fan, you'll realise that that's probably uh, a much better solution because sometimes what's going on on the pitch isn't so great uh, but you know I was aware of the fact that, that Portland had a strong fan culture I tuned in I watched a few games and they're normally on quite late at night if I was doing some work I'd watch it in the background um, and then again you begin to read around and you see that the fans have something in common 
in terms of the progressive uh, politics. You see the rainbow flags in the in, in the crowd. You see the, uh, the you know I want to say Corio, but I have to say Tifo uh, that, that, that that's put on by um, uh, by the Timbers fans, and you think there's something in common here, and, and I love that, and I'd much rather now in, at this stage of my life choose my teams based on on their supporter culture and on their political connections to to the football although you know let's let's be fair here the timbers have won stuff which is more than some Pauli have, have, have ever met, uh, managed so you know that that was how i came to kind of see that see that parallel uh and then you know through the the wonders of twitter kind of you know start following a few people and todd uh diskin reached out and got in touch with the uh through booked 107 um and I was over in America doing a talk uh, in Los Angeles and, and you know, it's, I hadn't quite appreciated the distance, but I thought West Coast of America, you know, I can simply hop up the coast and, and meet Todd and we'll do a We'll do a chat there. So, you know, last summer I was very fortunate enough to come over, meet him, meet you guys, um, uh, meet Sean as well, who'd flown in for that uh, and, and go to a game as well, which I think is really important. And you just see the similarities and you see the similarities in the, in the types of people that are watching and, and, and what they believe in. And, and, and it seems like a good fit. Sean, so Nick mentioned, um, you know, we all sort of met each other last summer at a, at a Timbers match. Uh, you know, we'll, we enjoyed the Timbers match together, but you and I think we were both there to, <laughs> to meet Nick. It was a heck of an opportunity. Um, but were, were you guys aware, you and Samantha, you and Sean, were you aware of the Timbers? And, and maybe not just aware, but I mean, were you conscious of their fan base or were they just another team that was kind of down in the MLS? Sorry, we 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 generally abstain from the MLS here. Sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, granted, granted, the the first kind of MLS match I ever watched was in Edmonton. It was a Vancouver Whitecaps game versus LA Galaxy when Beckham was still playing, and it killed me you because mean for the five minutes that Beckham played for LA Galaxy, what he walked a lot. <laughs> like a lot, um, and and that was also kind of the what sealed it for me with a lot of modern football was uh, when we were waiting outside the stadium, it was LA galaxy starring David Beckham. I'm like starring like this isn't a movie. What are shut up. <laughs> uh, and you have me. Thank you, Joshua for making Sean go to that game and that weekend because he initially didn't want to go. We had just gotten back from New York He's like, oh, I couldn't possibly go. And I'm like, if you don't go and meet Nick Davidson, you will kick yourself for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, because this is the, the 25th anniversary year for MLS, isn't it? Uh, Kevin? Uh, well, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Somewhere so around there. 96, 2016, maybe 22 years in 2018. Two. Okay, my apologies. Yeah. 96 um, we started when when mls was launched let's let's be honest it was not the highest quality football uh i think we can all agree and not the purest strain of football either with the oh, running God, penalty no. kick shootouts <laughs> and, and and the horrendous shirts and and the the gridiron markings on the field mm. let's let's give credit where credit is due i used to be a supporter who would turn his nose up at the mls um, as as a vastly inferior product, 
And I think it's really grown and matured over the last 22 years and really come into its own. I mean, there's still problems like why there are no Spanish Kings in Salt Lake. Why are you calling real Salt Lake real Salt Lake? <laughs> that makes no sense. But, yep. um, but the timbers have been around as long as I have. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and date myself. I was born in 1975 and the Timbers came into being in the same year. And, and they have had a very long and very interesting and somewhat tumultuous journey as, as all North American football uh, has. And, and the people who have stuck through that 42 year journey uh, make make the timbers and and the clubs of similar vintages uh very special things uh and and the timbers have really kind of fought through a lot of adversity and built this amazing club culture on top of it and i didn't really fully appreciate uh the depth of that culture until i came to portland uh to uh, mostly meet nick Josh, don't don't un- undercut yourself. It was it was fantastic meeting you too, and <laughs> and we are we are football family now. Yes. Um, but uh, but when Nick walked into the Fan Laden and said, "I know that counter," I knew I knew there was something yeah very cool and very interesting and interconnected with with our football stories. Yeah, um, I know. Again, yeah, I mean, I was just offering you a ride to pick you up from the airport. Uh, and it just turned into, you know, as soon as we kind of hit the road, we're like, okay, hey, we can talk. Mostly I can talk and you can listen pretty well. Uh, so anyone that knows me knows I can talk. Um, and so then we, we we went the wrong way. We headed to, towards Mount Hood and we realized, I realized we we're like, that mountain's getting bigger. We better turn around and go downtown. <laughs> <laughs> and so we finally, we finally got down there and yeah, Nick, you know, we found our, we found our way, found our parking, got into the Fon lot. And, and I've been there a couple of times and Sean hadn't been there before. Um, of course there were, Todd was in there waiting or I mean, we ran into a couple of people that, you know, take its existence for granted or aren't familiar with it. But then when Nick walks in and says, as, as you say, Hey, that looks familiar. All of this actually looks really exactly familiar. And, um, I mean, there's a missing element to tonight's conversation, which would be Abe, uh, Abe Goldman, who, yeah. you know, his, his, you know, his story is not dissimilar and I, I'll try to spin it as quickly as possible, but, you know, his trip out to Hamburg and his, his meeting um, people that were film, familiar with Portland and then taking that culture, uh, the St. Pauli culture back to Portland and, and injecting into a budding Timbers supporters group and helping name it the Timbers army and helping, you know, build the Fon Laden from, from the foundation up and design everything you know, in sort of the spirit of um, St. Paulians and you know, the supporter culture that you would find in that district. And so, of course, all of us sort of get told this story in the moment where we're staring around at the walls and we're looking at everything. And he, you know, he knows the cracks in the walls. He knows the nooks and crannies of the building and his, what an experience it was. And it sort of explained all of a sudden there's this, you know, this epiphany that 
this is not by chance that, you know, the Timbers army is inexorably linked to St. Pauli. Um, so it, is it a surprise that St. Pauli is now visiting Portland or is it more of a surprise that it took this long for it to happen? <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I mean, going to Abe, like, and I'll mention this towards the end, but he wrote a, uh, a little blurb on the Timbers Army website um, going into a lot of detail in his time, you know, how he came to fall in love with FC St. Pauli and how that influenced in the early days of the Timbers Army just kind of how it, it developed, you know, our unified supporter group, you know, our our, our supporter culture, um, and even going in so far as back in I think two thousand nine, if I remember right, um, where you know I, I believe Abe and, and other supporters had helped uh, get together with Chivas USA, rest in peace, you know, Philly, Vancouver, I know Seattle is part of it. Um, and they all, they joined, they've created the independent supporters council, which we have in the United States now, um, which is, which is huge kind of helping, you know, supporters groups, you know, have a, just have a voice and, and all of that is from, you know, comes from his time in St. Pauli, the influence is there. Um, it's, it's truly fantastic. And I think a lot of people here in Portland don't, like you said, just, they don't understand the history, um, of where kind of, you know, our culture kind of comes from. Mm -hmm. I think in, in addition, well, yeah, part, part of that is uh, I found what I found interesting was, uh, you know, of course, both teams, both clubs have independently um, on social media platforms announced the match. Of course, St. Pauli is uh, visiting Detroit city, um, uh, uh, NPSL division four um, side first. And um, that should be a, a hell of a match. I wish I could get out there. Um, you know, and I think that the Detroit city fans at their, their level at, at division four, have a better grasp on the, the point of the match, the very reason for the, the, the quote unquote friendlies existence. I think at their level, they understand that this is not meant to be a competitive international friendly. This isn't supposed to be a big match. This is supposed to be literally a game amongst family. Uh, you know, friends meeting each other and and enjoying each other's company and and having a a party and just you know celebrating being football supporters. Um, but of course, then St. Pauli and uh, the and T two the Timbers organization, but T two predominantly uh, of um, announced the match in Portland. And reading some of the comments have been anywhere from who. What is St. Pauli? Why don't we get, you know, why aren't we playing Dortmund or, you know, when do we, when do we get to play um, Bayern? Um, and, you know, or, or to the effect of um, just not, I think not appreciating it for what it is, you know, either not wanting to go or just kind of blowing it off because it's only T2. Um, you know, as Merritt Paulson had stated a couple of years ago, um, he's not going to interrupt the first team's schedule for a friendly. Our our league, the MLS league, is is fully underway. But there is a there is a point to the match, and and the the match isn't supposed to be a competitive friendly. It's it's supposed to be this this gathering of friends and and as you say, football family. Um, and so I you know I encourage Timbers 
and T2 fans who might be listening to this this podcast and and hearing more about St. Pauli and the history of it for the first time to um to go to this match with a different mindset than you would against another opponent. It isn't blood and thunder. Um you don't we're not this isn't a about a you know a battle on the pitch so much as a, a just a, a spirited fun, you know, just enjoy it and, and um, embrace these St. Pauli fans that are coming over. Don't pull your typical Timbers Army, you know, hijinks where you're yelling at you know, the opposing fans from across the street. We just don't, that animosity is not necessary for this. Uh, I know most people aren't guilty of that, but you know who you are. <laughs> I was like, hang on though. So, I mean, when Sean came back from that timbers game and the talk with nick and the excitement that sean had was Mm -hmm. unbelievable so of course then i decided we're gonna go for my birthday weekend to portland and had an amazing time so you know what bring it i don't mind the shouting i'll shout back i don't care (laughs) i know your chance now i don't care (laughs) i'm kind of looking forward to i don't have any keys but go But I know that that's that atmosphere is going to be a very different atmosphere than, say, uh, a Cascadia Derby, right? Or uh, playing a match against a a club who just wants a rivalry so badly, like um, (laughs) the the San Jose Earthquakes. It's 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 going to be it is going to be. a different experience and I'm really, really looking forward to it because the, I, I think the energy is going to be really, really cool. And yeah. you have to sit in the away supporter section. And I've never sat in the away right. section. <laughs> so this is going to be weird and interesting. And, and then we're going to make up for it because we are staying for the Thorns match. Yeah. So. And I have a feeling oh, that there's going to be more, more uh, supporters for St. Pauli uh, in, in Providence than there were, say, for example, Seattle Rain supporters. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, the, God. The Derby match. I think there was like 12... Uh, I, I think there's going to be some more. Where will they Sorry, be citing on. the away fans? Where will the St. Pauli fans be seated? Are they going to be away in that corner? Where yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, oh, mm-hmm. well, that's the that's the I've spoke with the front office. Um, so I think the first night that they released that, you know how they did the early release for the, the, the season ticket holders that they had sort of a, a pre a, a one day release of the tickets and then they released them to the general admission to the audience and i and i tried to secure the tickets and i couldn't get them in a specific spot where i knew i would be able to sit with saint Pauli supporters so i called the front office and i said hey this might be problematic for for the exact reason you stated there's going to be more than 12 you know and i and it's this the this match is an opportunity for saint Pauli fans from calgary and and from buffalo and from new york and from hamburg if they're coming um you know if they're coming down from vancouver or if they're coming to us from san diego or wherever these these saint Pauli fans are coming from we're coming to meet each other and um even for me a season ticket holder for the timbers army I called the front office and I said, I want to sit where the St. Pauli fans are going, going to be for this match. As much as I want T2 to do well during the regular season, it, this is more about us being together than it is for, you know, for me to root against any team facing the home team. 
this is my and- football. This is my football family. And so they, and uh, I don't have the exact ticket information. I was quietly looking for it while we were, while you guys were speaking, but you'll have anyone that's listening. If you don't already have a ticket, you can call the front office of the Timbers organization and you can ask to, to buy a ticket in the St. Pally support section, which Nick, yes, it's in the far, as you're standing in the North end, looking out onto the pitch, it is in the far uh, West stand. Well, and and let's also not forget, we do have a lot of uh, stadium construction going on as we expand the east side of the stadium. Um, And so at least with T2 matches that are at Providence Park, um, St. Paul included, like half the stadium will be closed and half of it will be open. And it kind of switches based on the game. Specifically for St. Paul, the west side is going to be open with the east side being closed. Um, so the north end and then the whole west side section um, all the way out to uh, 122, maybe 222, that'll all be open. And so just like Josh says, that back corner, if you're looking out towards the pitch to the right, that'll be where uh, the St. Pauli fans are. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of them. <laughs> well, and, and that's the really cool thing about um, the U.S. tour is I think it is really an opportunity for – the North American St. Pauli supporters to come together and finally put faces to names and meet some of the people that we've talked with on social media, maybe for months or years and never actually shaken a hand or given a hug or, or uh, lifted scarves together. Uh, I, I think this is, really going to be a a super cool experience. Uh, I know there's a lot of faces that I will finally be able to put to names and I'm super excited about that. And and that's a really important part, you know, as you mentioned before, that's probably the most important part of the tour. Um, And it, you know, it helps out with, it it, it, it brings us full circle again with, with Abe because I think his, his journey started, he was in Hamburg in 2006 and had a hotel booked or something. And, then met some people and they took him in. He ended up staying with them uh, and kind of became friends. And if you think even how, you know, us guys met together, really, um, you know, meeting in Portland um, with Todd and, you know, suddenly, like you say, you've got that extended football family and it gives us that chance on a, on a one-to-one level, uh, most importantly, to build those relationships, um, you know, and I'm sure friendships will come out of, of this game. And it gives, you know, it gives the, char- the club a chance also on a wider scale to, to, to draw those links in. And, and you're right, it's, it, for St. Pauli at the end of a long, hard Bundesliga season, it's not going to be a blood and thunder competitive match. But it is that opportunity to, to, to build those relationships. And I think that's really, really important. That's why I asked the question about the fan location. You know, it'd be wonderful if they were, could be closer together. You know, let's bounce the atmosphere back off people. Um, and do it in a friendly way rather than have them kind of tucked away in a corner. So, you know, maybe there's maybe there's scope for that. We shall see. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll do it on our own. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, there, yeah. there might be that opportunity once we're all, up, you know, you're all up in that corner to think, actually, we'd be perfectly fine. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to upset anybody if we move a few blocks closer and, and, and we can really get something, you know, going between the two two sets of fans in a positive way. Absolutely. That leads. We don't cross the line into the north end, and then we'll be <laughs> yeah, unceremoniously rejected. <laughs> you, yeah, wrong. You're wearing the wrong kit. You got the wrong colors on. Get out of here. Uh, the wrong the, flags the, with the wrong poles. Whoa. 
So that brings me to this a couple of questions. Um, Sorry, I was just going to say, this is the scourge of modern football could could come into its own here. The half and half scarf. <laughs> oh, God, half no. Half, but have um, you seen the Detroit half and half? Like, no. I've never been excited. Uh, like, I, I couldn't agree more with Nick. We could, half we and half scarves are awful. Here because this could, this could be the gateway between the two clubs. You know, oh, so, I know. <laughs> I have principles. Time. I have principles. I can't. I can't. You can't do it. <laughs> Brit, we'll we'll wear hole and hole. I'll have one whole brown scarf, <laughs> and I'll yeah, leave my whole two, green scarf at home. <laughs> two scarves. So, uh, so Josh, if you have any any more questions, let's uh, we'll start wrapping it up here. Yeah, I um I just had a couple of questions and and uh um and then a statement. Uh, one question is uh, well, I guess not to put you on the spot, Nick or Samantha or Sean, um, but. For those of us who might not know the St. Pauli chants, um, is there a, a chant sheet? Is there how do we get to know the St. Pauli chants in time to chant together? Is how how would we know the those songs? Any idea? Um, as an English speaking fan with very limited German, who's you know found himself at the Minotaur for many times, I tend to just mumble. Um, <laughs> so the, the long complex german words i don't understand i just kind of mouth along to um, mm -hmm. fortunately most a lot of the chants will be in english so and you will pick up the the um uh, the kind of common themes uh very very quickly uh i'll have a look actually see if there's um any kind of printed reference to to, to chants anywhere i'm sure we could put something together before before next week it'd be so um, useful but um, on the whole, uh, a lot of the chants are in English or in French or, you know, um, and, and you will recognize them. And, and, and they're pretty straightforward to to, uh, to to pick up, I would guess. Sean, um, Samantha, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's something that could be thrown together in a hurry. But it does help that St. Pauli was the first German club to start. Uh, singing and chanting in English so it's it's actually quite accessible and even though uh, we watch a German feed uh, provided by the club uh, where all the commentary is in German and and I speak almost no German Samantha speaks some German we can always almost always understand the songs because a lot of them are in English and and there is a through line of songs some of them are familiar some of them you just pick up quickly which is just the nature of football songs see and i was gonna uh just lead with and give us the out by saying we're just too anarchists to have song sheets unlike the timbers <laughs> <laughs> oh shots fired <laughs> oh. Uh, we Actually, get a lot we get a lot of uh, visitors to the north end so they have to pass <laughs> out the, the chant sheets to those who aren't inclined yeah. Um, although it, it does raise an interesting question, um, Nick, do you know of anyone who's coming who could act as capo? Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing yeah, I'm worried I, about. Is, is... I, I've, I've heard, and I don't know if this is, this is correct, so it's only kind of like hearsay, but I've heard there might be uh, a couple of people from Ultra St. Pauli who are attending, certainly Detroit, but maybe also if they're over for Detroit, then maybe uh portland as well uh, i don't know if that that's just something i heard last weekend um in which case they'd obviously be be good candidates but if in, in lieu of that anyone with a megaphone 
and uh, and one of our song sheets will you know give it a go <laughs> and we'll just get them drunk enough we'll kidnap them to portland <laughs> yeah oh, well, i'm sure they i'm sure they won't resist you know it's uh, it's it's um you'd want to be attending yeah uh another question of mine is uh you it, it's a kind of one i already know the answer to but you guys are bringing two sticks correct yes so the you're bringing the flag portion or the the material portion of the two stick and i i'm going to get the piping for you um but that kind of leads me to I kind of want to, anyone that's listening is a St. Pauli supporter that's coming from outside of Portland and is traveling and intends to take a two stick. Um, obviously bringing the piping onto the airplane is a, is a concern. Reach out, find someone in Portland that would be willing to, to spend a, a few bucks and get you some pipes. Um, and, and anyone that does already have the PVC piping and is planning on taking that to the stadium, the security has told me, um, let's have that at the front of the line. So that way they can check that before all the supporters go in. They want to make sure that it's secure and safe, that there's nothing there except for hollow PVC piping. So don't put piping caps on the ends of, of the of the tubes. Um, but yeah, you know, just make sure you've got any of your supporter materials, flags, pipes, uh, your two sticks, anything, um, just bring it up to the front of the line so that they can inspect it. Um, it's yeah. And then that way it's, it will be a lot smoother for all of us to get in. And then the other we'll, thing, we'll, we'll, say the other sorry, thing we'll, we'll have, we'll have fabled um, double Q be going on, on, um, uh, <laughs> not, that was one of my highlights of the, uh, of, the trip, of my trip to Portland, the double Q. The Q. Yeah. The, the pre Q. Uh, yeah. no, I, I don't imagine for this match, that queue is the line for the Timbers army uh, to get down to the front. I don't, the last time I went to one of these, um, it was easy to get, to get down to the front. Um, I hope a lot of Timbers fans show up, but it's not going to be nearly as full as it is for a regular season match. And so I don't know if the Timbers army is going to be doing the double queue. Do you, do you have any idea of the um, you know uh, uh, attendance or the, the potential attendance of the game? Or... Um, I don't. So far? I don't. I can probably inquire and find out. Um, and off the top of my head, guess I would say maybe it's completely rough and just pulling a number out of my ass. Guess maybe two thousand. Um, as far as the available seats, like I said earlier, the east side section is going to be closed. It'll just be the north and west sections, and if it's only the 100 level, if they tarp off the 200 level, you're looking at maybe 10,000 seats tops. Um, if they if they keep the 200 level open and, and you know sell enough tickets, uh, you you could go up to 15, 16. But um, on a Tuesday night in Portland, international yeah. friendly T2, we love our soccer, but I don't know if we love our soccer 15,000 people wise. So, uh, it's it's a wide range, but I would say between two and ten, we'll just have to see how it goes. And, and you think actually, you guys, both both you and the Thorns, are, are kind of mid season. So there's a lot of football going on in Poland at the moment. Uh, a lot of games happening. So yeah, I yep. think that's a, that's that's a reasonable expectation for, like you say, a T two uh, friendly game. Yeah. yeah, first team, the women's team, and the second team, they're all playing soccer. So, and you guys are going to be hungover from the. Uh... 
Darby on the weekend since you play Seattle on Sunday. Yeah, we play Seattle this Sunday. T2 plays their second, like our second team plays their second team tomorrow. And then Sunday it'll be a first teams playing each other. And then the another weekend passes. And then Tuesday, St. Pauli. Well, let's hope it's a, a nine point weekend for the, for, for all three teams. Uh, it, it's it funny is. when we get back from uh, the trip to Portland uh the timbers u23s are playing calgary foothills and we because we've fallen so far in love with the timbers and and the 107ist uh we we will probably be flying some timbers colors in our hometown <laughs> or i had to stop sean from buying a pickle barrel the other day because he wants to beat tunes i'm like you don't even know <laughs> you don't even know the drum beat sean so uh, if there's any random timber supporters in calgary come join us <laughs> and annoy people because that's what we do you guys are assholes i i'll give you i'll give you a, a shout out um on twitter later uh coach aaron uh, and it's on a first name basis with the, t- the Timbers under 23s. I cover them on our, you know, our regular, po- our rather regular podcast shows. Um, I'll let them know you're coming and I, <laughs> I, I bet I can get you in for free because <laughs> we're on the list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if we can afford $10. Is it $10, $15 Canadian, which is like what, $5 American. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's how I roll. <laughs> It's good times, good times. So, um, for any any St. Pauli supporters out there coming to Portland, like Josh was saying, I wanted to mention if you do need an assistance uh, having to do anything with Portland, anything with Timbers, anything with Providence Park, um, a good hashtag to use, views Twitter, um, hashtag RCTID. Um, that'll get uh, the attention of basically the whole Timbers Army fan base. And there's <laughs> yeah. tons of super nice, super helpful people out there um, that they would be able to help you with two sticks. Um, directions, you know, maybe even some couches to crash on, literally anything. Um, like St. Pauli, you know, we have a very open and supporting uh, culture here as well. So Yeah, and I, I wanted to make a mention, Kev, um, the, the Fon Laden has actually put out uh, um, uh, an assistance. So if there's any uh, visiting St. Pauli supporters who don't currently have a place to stay, I think the Fon Laden um, has some couches that have been volunteered in homes around Portland and you are just con- reach out and contact um, Todd uh, Diskin or, or, um, or Sheba or somebody involved with, um, with the Fon Laden. Um, and, and I think that they might be able to find a couch for onesies and twosies. Um, and, and there's also a post-match event um, at Abe's Cidery. Uh, it's on the East side. It's called Cider Riot. And uh, and I'll be a sober driver that evening. Um, I'll probably take over one or two groups before I decide to stay and have a cider myself. So I was about to say, Josh, like, come on, really? You're going to be the sober one for for one or two trips across the river. And then (laughs) and then if you save me a seat, I will have a drink with you. Buddy, there's always going to be a seat. (laughs) Save and don't don't worry. uh, Two other very good resources for if anybody needs any information in Portland both myself and Josh, you know, if we don't know the answer, we can find it for you. So yeah. we'll yeah. get you, we could, if, if, if we're not the right people, we'll get you in touch with the right people. So go ahead and reach out to us. 
Um, I think that about covers this very special episode, right, Josh? Uh, as much as I'd like to talk all night to my good friends. <laughs> you can't. You can keep going. Just let me stop the recording, and, and then you can keep on going. And I go to bed. I got to take my kids to swimming in the morning. So. Oh, yeah, that happens. I got a PDX <laughs> FC match tomorrow, our season opener versus Kitsap Pumas. So uh, I'll yeah. be there as well. Yes, I'm actually sir. not going to be watching T2. I'll be there at PDX FC to support you. So That is true friendship absolutely my friend uh so where you can find us online myself and josh i am at k mccamish pdx you can also find us at ptk podcast josh is uh you know always associated with pdx fc i'm at Stumptown footy also at the usl show um you can find us at playthekids.com and uh and sean and samantha I'll start with you where can people find you online Oh God! You you deal with it. <laughs> so, spell it out. <laughs> uh, uh, on Twitter, if you just look for "with a girl pod," uh, we should pop up, um, and you can always shoot us an email to the show email address, which is fell in love with a girl podcast at gmail.com which sounds really short when you say it, but when, as you're typing it out, like I said, you might want to stop and and just recover maybe have a restorative beverage and then finish off writing the email address we're also on instagram as well and we have a um oh god don't even bring that up i haven't posted anything we haven't posted anything in forever so just ignore that that exists and uh our latest episode is always posted to the uh, the top of our twitter feed uh so yeah that's us I don't feel so bad that our Gmail account is play the kids podcast. I thought that was long. And you got that... nothing, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen things. Man. <laughs> syllables, man. Syllables. <laughs> so, Nick, where can people find you online? Okay. I guess a little bit straightforward and more straightforward. On Twitter, I am outside underscore left. Uh, the same address on Instagram. And there's also an outside left uh, blog uh, blogger page, so you could probably search that out. And then the book itself, Pirates, Punks and Politics, uh, if you do a search on that, that should bring up uh, either where you can get the book from or underneath that, a little kind of blog uh, post connected to that, which has got a few updates stories on, on kind of adventures. The book came out, so um, yeah, get in contact. And we have, I think we have some copies of your book in the book is booked one hundred seven is library, right? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, that's correct. Definitely sent some over. There should be some in in the library, um, and yeah, pop in and and a great. I mean, that that was another fabulous thing about turning up to the Van Laden and seeing that you know that what is the largest library of football books in North America allegedly um, <laughs> that we know yeah, of. Fantastic! What 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 a what a what a resource! You know, fantastic. Absolutely. Um, I, I personally want to thank all three of you for joining us. Um, it's been an absolute blast. Um, the other things that we do, just real quick, uh, my BGN.FM shout-out of the episode, um, I want to mention Football Foundry um, because BGN.FM is not just USL podcasts. Um, those guys talk just about everything English soccer uh, and are pretty much a huge must-add to your regular podcast intake. Um, lastly, got to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And always uh, thanks to the Beautiful Game Network 
for everything they do for us. Um, you can find us playthekids.com. Doesn't get much easier than that. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, and that would be it for me. Again, appreciate you guys joining. Josh? Alfita Zane. Hey, it's Kevin again. So I actually forgot when we were recording to specifically mention Abe's blog post on TimbersArmy.org. Uh, if you go to TimbersArmy.org, click under News and Events, click Blog. Um, it's probably the most recent one still. It was written on May 1st. Um, if you'd like to go there directly, TimbersArmy.org forward slash blog forward slash 612-8877. And that specifically covers his story uh, about how he fell in love with St. Pauli and kind of how that influenced everything with the Timbers Army. So I did want to specifically mention that before we cut out. Um, and, you know, shout out to Todd Diskin, shout out to Abe Goldman. Um, we weren't able to get them on the show, uh, but hopefully maybe maybe we can do something in the future and get them on there and maybe they can make them share, share their half. So, again, thank you everyone for listening, and thanks to Nick, Sean, and Samantha for being on. And we'll see everybody uh, when you guys come to Portland for St. Pauli. Thanks.